London Gallery Weekend, a new initiative launching on June the 4th, marks a step change in the capital's art scene. For the first time, more than 130 galleries across London are getting together to celebrate the rich cultural offerings of the capital and to entice buyers and viewers through their doors. I'm Jan Daly, writer and arts editor of the Financial Times, where I've had a first-hand view of London's art scene for many years. I'm excited to present the first of a series of podcasts from London Gallery Weekend. Join me as I meet with gallerists, artists, collectors and curators to discuss the London art market, the gallery scene and what the future looks like. I'm going to be ranging across town and my first stop is Stuart Shave's Modern Art on Helmet Row, just north of the city, where I'll be meeting Jimmy Lee, Senior Director of the Gallery, and Harry Beer, co-founder of The Sunday Painter, which is based in South London. Hello, I'm Jan Daly. I'm here to see Jimmy. One moment, please. I'll just get back. Jimmy, what did you feel when you first heard about this initiative? Did you initially think, uh, that's not for us, or did you think, yes, um, we're keen on that right away? Um, I felt quite positive about it from the very beginning, because other cities have um, their gallery weekends like Berlin and Zurich, and I've always felt that we would benefit from having a weekend just for gallery exhibitions and something that's not tied to Art Fair calendar, per se. Yes, well, we'll talk in a minute about how this affects the gallery's relationship with the art fairs, which I think probably will could turn out to be quite significant. And what about you, Harry? How did how did you and your partners feel about it? Uh, yeah, the same. It was a kind of no-brainer, really. I think anything that gets you know galleries and visitors mobilised after the last year, um, where you know people couldn't see shows in the flesh. Um, yeah, it was it was a no-brainer, and there's been you know another thing called Condo, um, mm-hmm. which is which has happened over the past four five years mm-hmm. in in London, and that's always you know that's a, a slightly different kind of model where yeah, London galleries host galleries from abroad, but that's always been really good at kind of galvanising people to kind of visit you know gallery spaces, um, which is what you know what we want. So yeah, it was an easy decision. Good. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Now, do you think it's going to change things? I'm glad you brought up Condo because um, have you both taken part in Condo yes, in the past? Have. Yes, you have. Yeah. So you, you, you already know that one, and that's that's a fantastic international um, uh, enterprise initiative, and has brought really brilliant artists to London. I've always really enjoyed it, but this time it's slightly different, isn't it? Because it's very much the collaboration between London galleries. Do you think it's going to change anything, let's say, perhaps for your regular collectors and visitors or in in your own practice? Will it make any difference, do you think, to the way that you um, kind of go about things? 
I think that we have definitely a group of core supporters who come on a regular basis, and that's welcome, but I think it's an occasion for those people who might not come east or south or central to, to take this moment to go visit different galleries that they haven't visited before. And I think encouraging any, any increase in footfall for the galleries is a, is a very positive thing. I think it is, and I think that point you make about the kind of different regions of London, different areas of London, is a very mm. important one. Because the other, um, the other cities that have gallery weekends are much smaller. You can kind of walk around Berlin mm. so much more easily than you can walk around London. Mm. Um, do you think it'll change things for for you at all, Harry? Do you think you expect different footfall? Or I think it'll be yeah. I mean, I, f- I feel like there the, the might be a kind of captive audience this year. It's, it's obviously going to be very local because travel is still restricted. Um, but yeah, anything that gets footfall through the door is, is is good, and I think people are hungry to see you know shows after um, you know being bombarded with sort of online you know viewing rooms and PDFs. Um, you know, I think people are really kind of eager to see shows. So, how did you choose your artist or artists for this weekend? We have we've got a show by um, an artist called Nicholas Pope, um, and we the show is quite quite a long time in the making um, so we knew this show was going to happen it was initially meant to happen in May but because of Covid it obviously got to push back a bit um, but he has a show on um, running concurrently at the Holborn Museum and also the New Art Centre so yes, it it's quite a nice spotlight yeah. for him mm. at the moment um, and I'm happy that it's falling upon this, this gallery weekend So it was by chance you'd have had, you'd have had Nicholas Pope in anyway Yeah, yeah yes. it was by chance but Yeah but very, very appropriate yeah. British artist as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you choose, Jimmy, did you choose anybody specially for the gallery weekend or did you alter your plans at all? Um, we actually didn't have control over the timing of mm-hmm. the exhibitions because of the pandemic. So we'll be opening an exhibition by Sarah Rapson at our gallery on Bury Street um, on Thursday, the 4th of June. She's a British artist who lives in Dorset, um, spent her mid-career in New York and returned to the UK about 15 years ago um, and hasn't had an exhibition here yet so we're very excited about that and Sonia Kantorowski's exhibition here at Helmet Row will continue and I hope that people will get a chance to see both exhibitions. Um, So let's talk a minute about um, art fairs and I think that I, I get the impression, correct me if I'm wrong, that the original initiative for this weekend was when there was a thought that art fairs wouldn't be returning maybe even for the whole of the rest of this year for real, you know, real in-life um, editions and who knows whether they will or not at the end of this year. But um, tell me, first of all, how many art fairs you used to do a year and how much you relied on them and how much you think that might possibly change if the gallery weekend becomes strong. Harry, did did the Sunday Painter do a lot of fairs? Um, yeah, I think we, we kind of do between four and six in a year, mm-hmm. um, sort of depending on, on what year it is. Um, so yeah, we, we normally do we normally do Basel, um, the list of Basel, uh, Freeze, London. We do a New York one, and we normally do another one, you know, either in Europe or mm-hmm. or elsewhere. Um, so yeah, but I feel like this. Is a kind of a different offering, just the fact that it's in our, our own spaces, and I feel like, you know, artists and, and and 
people that run the galleries are always, you know, wanting people to come through the door. And I feel like, you know, fairs are brilliant at kind of amassing a, a large audience for a very short space of time. Um, but there are restrictions in what you can show in fairs, you know, um, because of the high cost shipping, you know, things like that. So it's a really good moment, you know, even if fairs do happen throughout the year, you know, and later in this year, I feel like it's still, you know, a very valid thing to be doing. So yeah, and I, and I guess this the June also is when Basel normally takes place, and that's mm-hmm. now happening in September. So yeah, it's it's a good thing to kind of have in the calendar for June. And um, so you you don't neither of you think that this is a, a kind of um, alternative to fairs. You think this is something that'll live alongside the fairs. I think it's it's very complementary. As mm-hmm. I was saying earlier, during Freeze Week there. Um, there isn't enough time to do everything. The fair, the museum shows, and the gallery exhibitions, and I think it's really great to have a weekend dedicated to the galleries because, I mean, so many of us, especially for the special month of June for Basel or during our free slot, we put so much extra effort um, into, you know, putting on the highest level quality exhibitions. So, yeah, it's a really great opportunity to expand the audience, not just... um, to collectors or curators, but also to the general public, um, people who might be slightly intimidated by going to galleries to learn that there are all these amazing shows happening at their doorstep. I think that's been a fantastic chance for, for everybody. Mm. Yeah, it's a really good point, isn't it? It still um, is can be quite daunting to just walk into a gallery. A lot of people just don't think they're allowed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so anything, and they're free as well. And they're free, yep, and they're free, exactly. Um, And how do your artists feel about it? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think artists like people seeing their shows in in the galleries, and I feel like, you know, some artists are very hesitant about art fairs, Mm. um, you know, in terms of what they can show and the kind of restrictions. But yeah, you know, every artist is going to be up for people visiting physical spaces. Is, Is there anything about the kind of collaborative nature of this weekend that is that feels a bit strange I mean it's a pretty competitive world that we all work in isn't it does it feel kind of a bit unusual a bit odd um, to I, be um, I don't know really in a different relationship to, to your fellow galleries I never feel that competitive about anything so I'm like <laughs> it's uh, but I think you're quite, I mean, dream, Harry, dream, you're, you're quite rare. Yeah. <laughs> Lazy. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, during, during, the, um, during the lockdowns last year, there's a, you know, the WhatsApp group kind of spawned, mm-hmm. um, which was just full of, you know, London galleries sharing information mm-hmm. that was really useful, you know, when information was kind of quite scarce about what was going on and things like, uh, you know, what galleries were kind of getting rent reductions and which galleries weren't and, that allowed in our case it allowed us to kind of go to our landlord and say you know you know this this many galleries in london are getting rent reductions you know like try and educate him about you know what's going on and you know loads of things like sharing ppe and i don't know it felt yeah i, I feel like there's there's always an appetite for collaboration i think um it, it is a competitive kind of industry but you know it doesn't need to be so much feel the same about absolutely mm. I and mean, i think during the pandemic um i didn't necessarily miss all the traveling but i really miss seeing my colleagues mm. from other galleries um and just catching up with them at different fairs 
um, that was the part that I missed the most. So, yeah. Well, that's uh, it, it's very interesting. I mean, there were a lot of really good collaborative projects during the pandemic, and it, it's quite nice thought that something good came out of it. Can I mention another collaboration mm-hmm. that um, came out? Um, I'm sure it was probably um, in the planning stages pre-pandemic, but it's the Gallery Climate Coalition. Mm. Yes. Um, which was initiated by, I mean, there's a large group of amazing people who started this conversation. Um, people like Thomas Dane, the gallerist, Victoria Siddle, and Matthew Slotover from Freeze, Louisa Buck, the journalist, um, also Kate McGarry, another gallerist, Peter Chater from Art Logic. Um, and it's, it's been a great opportunity for galleries to really think about the climate. Mm. And because we're, we participate <laughs> in a very extreme way, shipping artworks around the world, all this nonstop traveling, um, which I don't think will go away, but there are ways to minimize the impact and to to initiate change. Um, yeah, and to reduce the carbon emission by 50%. Um, so we've joined, and I think a lot of other galleries yeah. have joined. You have yeah, too, yeah, yeah. Harry. It's a great initiative, yeah. It does, it does sound wonderful and very, very important and necessary. And of course, a, a gallery weekend like this one is much, much more uh, climate friendly Absolutely. than buzzing off to art fairs um, in distant parts of the world. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about the future. Let's, let me ask you, do you think, um, you know, I mean, the uh, organisers are bravely calling it an annual event, which is a, quite a um, kind of bold thing to do on first mention um do you think that it's likely to become an annual event do you think it's got a future this yeah definitely because june hopefully by next year 2022 basel can be back in june um which means that there could be a london gallery weekend which could then go into zurich gallery weekend and then into basel um i think it's great for international travelers to start their european tour in London, although we're not technically part of the EU anymore. <laughs> um, but I think it, it could work very nicely. That's great. Just part, part, of, the, uh, part of this incredible, incredible merry-go-round that is the, <laughs> yeah. is the art world year. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad that you both feel so optimistic about it, and I certainly do too. It's been great to talk to you, and thanks very much for sharing your thoughts and feelings about this, um, this great event, which I'm certainly looking forward to. Heading east across into the heart of Shoreditch, I'm moving towards Kate McGarry Gallery, where the new exhibition is by the Bangladeshi British artist Rana Begum. Hello, hello Rana. It's wonderful to meet you. Um, We haven't met before, but um, in the last few minutes I've had a wonderful um, chance to, to walk around. So, first of all, Tell us a little bit about yourself and your your background and your your journey to to here as an artist. I am a visual artist. I live and work in London. I grew up partly in Bangladesh and partly in Hertfordshire. I started working with Kate, I think, in 2017. So we've been talking about this show for a while now, and it was meant to be last year, actually. Um, 
end of last year in September. And did it change your work at all, the experience of the pandemic and lockdown? What, what did you, you presumably made work a bit differently if you were juggling your family life with your children and what would normally have been your studio yeah. practice? Well, um, during lockdown, obviously, the studio was shut down. Um, I had one person helping me, but most of my team were kind of working remotely. Um, So I was struggling quite a bit with, um, like everyone, kind of balancing that. And I had to then give up and say, okay, I I can't work. I physically can't work and I shouldn't, um, you know, that's not my priority. But... It was how I manage um, homeschooling was the biggest deal and cooking every day was like the hardest bit. Um, I I did that through um, watercolours. I found that incredibly calming and um, allowed me to kind of focus and manage the different aspects of the day, basically. And it meant that I could stop, start, stop, start. And that created kind of a rhythm within the work um, that I just absolutely loved and enjoyed and I think for me this kind of visual um, stimulus that I was getting from from the watercolours or from the light kind of coming in through the through the window had a massive I would say calming effect on me and I think this show is a kind of reflection of of that experience, this kind of need or uh, drive or craving for um, calmness and lightness and um, weightlessness that I wanted um, the viewers to kind of experience with the work or in the show, yeah. I was also actually uh, looking up on Agnes Martin, you know, and she's an artist that I do keep going back to. And one of the reasons that I looked at Agnes Martin during that period was that, you know, I knew that she kind of thrived on isolation. You know, she, you know, moved to kind of New Mexico and, and this was someone that deliberately, you know, going away, removing herself from people and that was really fascinating for me wanting to know why she was doing it and what she was achieving from that isolation because you know everyone was feeling isolated during lockdown and everyone felt quite alone and I definitely went through those feelings and wanted to appreciate it I guess rather than look at that as a negative kind of impact in on my life or my children's life well this show here at Kate McGarry um feels wonderfully um serene and light and airy um as as we come into the gallery um there's a long wall on the right Mm -hmm. which has a series of beautiful diptychs do you consider them diptychs pairs of pairs of small works which um, play in extremely interesting ways with grids and colour. Yeah, so this body of work kind of really reflects my kind of ongoing um, investigation, if you like, in terms of colour interaction. I've always been fascinated by how one colour reacts to the other. And I wanted it also to be about experience about colour. And, and 
I don't know, it's always difficult to kind of think whether you could achieve that on a two-dimensional level without it being optical, um, without really about, you know, demanding um, the viewer to look at them. I wanted the painting to be something that naturally you feel the kind of the lightness you feel the change in the air you feel the change in the temperature you know so it's more kind of um to do you know this show I feel it's more to do with your senses and being connected to to that um and the paintings very much felt like that for me they they are very formal in terms of the geometry that I use it's it's there and it keeps me calm mm. and but one of the things that I've noticed um, with this um, body of work is that even the, the band or the width of these kind of vertical lines make a massive difference on how you experience colour, how one colour reacts to the other. And, and that, you know, scaling those panels up, you know, what that means as well. So it's, it's really, it's been really exciting working on the series and understanding how um, I can kind of continue to push them, how I can continue to kind of explore that interaction um, and what that means in terms of the experience that the viewer has. But I like the way, you know, the space meant that, you know, showing these smaller um, panels kind of draws your eye naturally towards that kind of the end space where it really holds the natural light or where the, you know, the architecture becomes quite kind of expansive. Yes, because it suddenly does become very expansive yeah. because at the end of this uh, sort of enfilade of, of, of um, as you say, geometric mm. um more minimalist, um, beautifully ca calm, but beautifully uh, made pieces. Suddenly there's this explosion yeah. into a three-dimensional piece, which is very large and exuberant and fills this light-filled um, space, which I'm going to just describe to listeners as a series of um, coloured metal mesh clouds or see-through balloons or something like fantastic fruit in a wonderful, um, gorgeous, multifarious coloured um, installation yeah. with pieces inside pieces. Once again, of course, you've still got your grids, haven't you? Because yeah. you've got I the, can't get you've away got the from mesh. That. You <laughs> can't get away from your grid. And and uh, if Agnes Martin is yeah. your heroine, then yeah. the grid's always in your yeah. mind. But you've done something really interesting there. You've squished it, you've squashed it, you've moved it around. And as you move around that piece, you see all kinds of different senses. It's not really cloud-like because it's not hanging that high. It's hanging more or less at eye level, but it's almost weightless because it yeah. seems to be floating across, uh, uh, above the ground. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was interesting when you mentioned the word fruit, uh, immediately what came to my mind was kind of, you know, when you crack open a pomegranate and you get this kind of jewel-like kind of geometric kind of you know, different kind of faceted mm. kind of um, the shapes uh, of and it just suddenly that popped into my head but um for me you know i liked how you describe it it is it is an explosion of color but at the same time it's um 
it's really calming it's very light it's very sensitive um it's responding to the space and it feels like it's filled with air and it's floating in the space and i wanted i i wanted the viewer to kind of experience that lightness um almost feel like the viewer is kind of floating with the work that was the thing that was really fascinating was seeing that kind of relationship with the body the fact that it's not high up you know you you are you almost feel kind of immersed in this kind of explosion mm. of color well it's a fantastic show and i hope a lot of people will will manage to to get to it during this um london gallery weekend which is coming up yeah. i'm sure your show will be one of the highlights thank you so thank much you. for talking to thank me thank you so much for having me Back now into London's best-known and most traditional art destination, Cork Street. Now remade for the 21st century with gleaming modern spaces such as Goodman Gallery. I'm here to meet two experts in the field, collector Sigrid Kirk and the director of the Contemporary Art Society, Caroline Douglas. Beautiful Goodman Gallery. looks absolutely amazing. Hello. Let me start by asking you both, what's really new about London Gallery Weekend? What's, what's new for London? What does it bring London? I think the sense of community and collective spirit that I think is burgeoned in the pandemic is something that feels very fresh about this Gallery's Weekend. It's something that Berlin and other cities um, have had. And I'm really surprised that it's actually the first time, Caroline, that um, we've had this initiative. It almost feels like it's an art fair across the city. And I think it's a festival and a celebration right now. I agree. I think it's fantastic. I mean, in a way, it builds on the platform that Kondo built. I can't remember how many years ago mm. Kondo was founded, but it was another brilliant, very innovative idea. Mm. And I think they sit alongside each other rather brilliantly. And I think they both have, as you say, Sigrid, that sense of collaboration, of a collegiate sense of the city pulling together. Kondo, of course, is um, a scheme that brings international galleries to partner with yeah. with galleries yep. in London um, and and this time it's uh, it's all our own galleries on their home territory mm-hmm. and 130 something of them an amazing number um, do you think it'll change the way that um, that people view art buy art collect art I hope it will in many ways just because I think London is such a huge geographic area and it become quite specialised. There's little tiny, you get East London or South London or Mayfair galleries. And I think in a weird way that there's become these little ecologies which are very separate from each other. So I think the idea of doing something collective. And also out, when I say outdoors, I just mean that public space and public art has never been more important or more discussed than it has over the last year and a half. Um, being able to view art and to walk together, walk and talk together in between galleries. And I think those that idea of the caesura and the space between seeing art and being on a journey is very, very important, and the discussions that you have on that journey. So I feel it's a, a slightly new model and a very collective and collaborative model that, that's going to be exciting. I agree. No, I agree. I mean, and I think 
Um, I've had some really interesting conversations in the last uh, week or so, and one of the things that seems to come up again and again is that people no longer want to see 10 exhibitions in one day. They want to slow it down. They want to look in a more considered way. They want to, I think, enjoy it more, actually, and to uh, look harder. So I think that if by um, creating an event like this it helps us to do that, to see a lot, but to just sort of... Uh, take it at a different pace. I think that's really fantastic. Do you think it could grow to be some kind of um, competitor to the art fairs? Or do you feel it's more complementary? Talking to a few gallerists, I feel that the art fair model in general has to revisit and relook at itself. I think there are some real problems, not least um, the sheer number of them, um, the issues environmentally around travel. Yeah. Um, and I think there is a certain caution that um, is, is going to stick. And I've, a lot of galleries have talked about the cost per square foot of actually maintaining spaces in London. Um, and in a sense, why would you then want to transplant into a white booth when you can actually enjoy your space? And I think people are really looking again with fresh eyes at their own spaces and, their art, and working very closely with their artists who want to do exciting things in those spaces. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the... It's a truism now that the last year has produced this caesura, the word you used, and and a moment of reflection for everybody. And I know galleries are thinking really seriously about their carbon footprint, and about you know what it means to be perpetually you know crisscrossing the world. Mm. Um, and this last year has proven to many of them that they can maintain great relationships with with their collectors via Zoom, via video conferencing, you know, that there are alternatives. You don't have to fly to LA to seal a deal. It can actually be done in a way that doesn't dump however many tonnes of carbon into the atmosphere. You know, this is, I think, you know, we were talking about this before, but I think this last year has provided the space to really start to embed that thinking, which is great. And that's not taking away from the value of art fairs, and particularly when we think about Freeze Art Fair and how it really did put London as an international cultural capital. But it is about doing things a bit differently. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I know all the galleries, everybody is longing for the international visitors again. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's not be under any illusion. That is, you know, so important. It's one of the things that makes London the exciting cosmopolitan place that it is, that's this kind of constant ferment of ideas with, you know, successive waves of people coming. It's fantastic. Um, so there's nothing that's going to replace that. But it's, there's still a sort of a certain push-me-pull-you between the idea of the internationalism um, and the commercialism and also the idea of community. Um, and I think the, the idea of kind of inch wide, mile deep is an interesting thing to consider as well about how you do look at the community very close to you. And I think people like the showroom, for example, um, and other organisations who are more non-profit based have looked at that. But I also know commercial galleries have been thinking about their local collectors and how to engage them in new and different mm. ways. And I think this will bring a different type of person into the gallery too. Yep. I like that, inch, inch wide, mile deep. Mm. That's, I was talking with Zoe Whiteley, who's the director of the Chisholm yesterday, mm. and um, we were talking about our response to the pandemic a year ago as, as small organisations. You know, how do you face up to this global... Uh, crisis how do you how do you address it how do you attempt to do anything um, meaningful and for both of us it was to look 
look to the community sort of on your doorstep. For her, that's a geographical community. For us, it was a community of artists. But I felt, we both felt that if one could do something really in-depth, meaningful for that community on your doorstep, whether it's physical or metaphorical. I, I, did, I did take that term, actually, from Caro Howell, director of the Founding <laughs> Museum, so I must attribute it to her. <laughs> She's brilliant. Yeah. Um, Caroline, the mm. Contemporary Art Society is a charity, yep. and your core function is to acquire work to donate to public Collections. Um, collections. Yep. So you're a kind of interface between the commercial galleries, which we're, is what this weekend is all about, um, and the um, public realm. Yes. And of course, that's happening more and more, isn't it, now with so many sort of crossover projects and multi genre projects. But um, I gather that you're also uh, launching a new initiative over the art weekend. We are. You we, heard it here first. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are opening an exhibition space in Mount Street, at 16 Mount Street, um, as a temporary exhibition space for three months. Uh, starting, we will open on the 4th of June um, and run until the end of August. Um, this has come out of the blue. It's incredibly exciting. Um, I was approached uh, by Muriel and Freddie Salem, um, who are collectors in London and uh, supporters of the Contemporary Art Society, very generous uh, supporters of our mission. Um, and uh, they offered us the space free of charge, uh, free of rent and business rates um, for a period of three months. They wanted to find a way to do something for the, the visual arts community in the country and they thought that they could achieve their desired ends through the Contemporary Art Society. So um, we are going to have a selling exhibition um, and a percentage of sales will go to create a fund to purchase more art by more artists for museums in this country. So effectively, it's it's raising money for your own charity. It is. I would like to say that the way we're structuring it um, is such that the artist percentage is untouched. So the, the artist will uh, receive their percentage of sales in the normal way, and we will take an agreed percentage of the dealer's margin. When do you open? So I want to be outside that door on on the morning it opens. <laughs> we open at 10 a.m. on Friday, the fourth of June. So you're looking at a woman who is opening a gallery from a standing start in six weeks. Yes. Well, you're looking amazingly good on it. <laughs> <laughs> it must be just but the think, uh, You know, London Galleries Weekend is a fantastic opportunity, really, to get out there and look at new work and discover new artists yeah. right on our doorstep. I mean, I've been very, very active buyer um, during the pandemic when normally I would have been too busy doing other things, travelling. And it's actually really focused my mind. I've discovered a lot of galleries that I didn't know beforehand very well at all. Um, and it's given me time to actually talk to the directors too and their artists. And so I think I really would urge people over this period of time to actually have those conversations. Because I think it's quite unique actually that we have the gallerists, the owners, desperate to welcome us all, standing in their spaces. And I've, I've, I've met people that I've known of for many years and actually had time to speak with. So I think it's going to be wonderful from that perspective as well. Absolutely. You know, the and human side of 
Yes, and obviously for us being on Mount Street is a great opportunity to talk about the Contemporary Art Society to a wider audience about what we do. And so the idea is that we'll show work by artists that we've bought in the past for museums. So we have this very nice kind of narrative that we can share. I was just going to say, where, did, where are you sourcing your work from? Um, largely London-based galleries. The mm -hmm. timescales and, frankly, the customs issues are just too complex for us mm -hmm. to bring works in from overseas, especially for a three-month period. It's just uh, it's prohibitive. So um, largely London galleries, a lot of East End galleries. So, you know, we're trying to structure it so it's good for everybody, you know, to have a presence in Mayfair for Hollybush Gardens or The Approach or Maureen Paley, for example. You know, it's a great, it's a great thing, you know, spotlight for their artists. Um, and for us to be able to stand in the gallery and talk about where we bought this artist for, you know, which museum, how it connected, why we feel they're incredibly important, how we've been tracking their practice, all of that. It's just, um, it's quite a compelling narrative. Well, we feel, we hope it is. I think it sounds brilliant. I'm glad, um, Sigrid, first, first you'd heard of it presumably today. It it's <laughs> yeah. been under wraps. It's been under wraps. But I think another way of looking at it is as a public health benefit. And I think we have to stop there's two ways to look at art. One, obviously, you can look at it as a commodity that you collect because you love it, and there's so many of us that are passionate about the art world, but I think it's also a public health benefit. Um, you know, art does help your soul. Um, during these times of, you know, great difficulty, I think it gives immense pleasure um, and emotional kind of support to people. Absolutely. So I think there's, there's so much more that can be the way we can look at art. Um, and I know that, um, for example, Megan Piper who runs an extraordinary art initiative, The Line. I don't know if you've walked it. I have. I've cycled it, Sculpture from... It goes from the O2 Centre across the Olympic Park, and you can go on this walk and see wonderful pieces of public sculpture along the way. And she's actually working with the NHS trusts to look at them prescribing art as a, as a social act of good, as a medical benefit. So I would actually say to everyone listening that as well as going out and discovering new artists that you might want to, to buy and to look at, actually look at it as something that is, is good for you. Absolutely. No, it's, um, it's so true. And it sounds as if um, you both think that this has a real future. I mean, they, the organisers are boldly calling this an annual event, which mm -hmm. is quite a sort of, um, yes, brave thing to do when it's your first year because you know, <laughs> annual doesn't really come into it until year mm -hmm. two, does it? But um, I think there's definitely a plan to make this an I ongoing thing. And it sounds as if you both feel that there's a future. That Completely. That, mm -hmm. I think it's an excellent idea. Um, <clears throat> now that it exists, one wonders why it didn't exist before. Um, and something that, you know, Draws, draws attention to the, the wealth and the breadth of, of galleries mm. in, this, in this town and how much, what a, what a variety of work can be seen, um, I think can only be a good thing. And especially, you know, it has been a really rough year and this year is, is not going to be hugely easier, I don't think, in spite of, fingers crossed, the opening up of, of and everything. It points, points very much to the resilience of the art market. Um, the resilience of the art community, how entrepreneurial they are and creative. But also I know in about the first week of the pandemic, um, about 50 galleries got together and formed a WhatsApp group 
And I know it's been absolutely vital, both in terms of negotiating Brexit, um, pandemic, staff regulations, all those sorts of things. And I think this is just another example of uh, kind of how wonderful a kind of a collective community mm. we, we have. This ecosystem is extraordinary. Yeah. And a community that connects the really major international galleries with the very much smaller mm. ones that are so vital to the ecology that support the younger artists as they come up. Um, you know, we need we need the whole ecology, and uh, and this London Art Weekend seems to bring them all together. So it's uh, it's fantastic. Well, just before we um, say goodbye, um, tell me whether you think that this from the all the collectors that you both know around the world. Tell me whether you think that this will prove a magnet for international visitors when when it's possible for travel to. To come, do you think it'll be as, as as significant as, let's say, Freeze London? I think that's a bit of a wait and see. Um, to see, I think your point as to that's why the art fairs started really because London was quite unnavigable. Uh, so I think it remains to be seen about how it's structured. Um, but I think this sort of sense of palpable joy and excitement and actually taking London back to its roots about this idea of collective clustering, um, of small galleries rubbing up alongside big international galleries. You know, London is a, one of the world's greatest cities and I certainly hope we can use it, we can market it as, as a way of, of bringing people back here. Yeah, I mean, London in the springtime normally is great fun. I think if, you know, once we are back to international travel, if collectors know that they can come to London and see a whole slew of really important shows, it'll be, you know, it'll be hugely attractive. I mean, maybe the one thing they need to do is just have some London um, Art Weekend branded umbrellas right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I'm sure we can get a sponsor for those. <laughs> Well, thank you both so much. That was wonderful. Thank you for sharing Pleasure. all your, your wisdom and your thoughts and your uh, enthusiasm. So this collaborative weekend puts a new face on London's art scene. Once rivalrous galleries are learning to work together and adapt to the new challenges and realities... You've heard the insiders' voices, their views and their recommendations. I hope it will inspire you to get out and explore the galleries. If you're an experienced collector, perhaps you'll seek out emerging artists as well as younger galleries. Or if you're simply an art lover, perhaps you'll make a weekend of it and take in the tours, talks and even the children's programme. You can read Melanie Gerlis's preview of London Gallery Weekend for the Financial Times and do look out for live reviews and news from our partners, The Art Newspaper and Freeze.com. There's plenty to explore. And to find out more, visit the London Gallery Weekend website or follow us on social media at London Gallery Weekend. This podcast is a co-production between London Gallery Weekend and In Talks With and the music is written and produced by Harun Mirza, licensed by Outputs 2021. Until next time, I'm Jan Daly. See you in the galleries. <laughs> <laughs>